Welcome back to the cafe at Artichoke Music for Coffee Shop Conversation number 266. Can you believe it? Portland has a world-famous choral ensemble. Its name is Capella Romano. They've been around since 1991, giving the world early and contemporary sacred classical music in the Christian traditions of East and West. These days, the replication of sounds from an ancient Turkish cathedral has put them on the charts. And I'm betting they'll be up for a Grammy. Executive Director Mark Powell is here with me. They're doing so well, they now have their own label and are releasing a non-Capella Romano album this week. Let's talk to Mark Powell. Mark, welcome to Artichoke Music and the and, uh, Coffee Shop Conversations. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Let's let's get real basic. Okay. Okay. I, I, let's 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 define some terms. Sure. What does Capella Romana mean? So Capella Romana is uh, the is Latin. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it means Roman chapel. So Capella means chapel, uh-huh. and Romana means Roman. Yeah. Um, and we get the word a cappella uh-huh. from the fact that in the the Sistine Chapel, so the the, the cappella, uh-huh. uh, they still retain the tradition of unaccompanied singing. So when we think about a cappella singing today, it means singing without instruments. So it's only voices. Right. And um, in our context, the idea of a Roman chapel uh-huh. is to embrace both the Western tradition of Christian music as well as the Eastern. Uh-huh. Because we have two Romes operating. We have the old uh-huh. Rome yeah. in what's now Italy, uh-huh. and we have the new Rome, which was Constantinople, uh-huh. or modern-day Istanbul. Yeah. So in the fourth century, when Constantine the Great moved the capital from old Rome, mm-hmm. he c- consecrated um, what was then Byzantium, the mm-hmm. name of the town, uh, he reconsecrated it, Constantinople, uh-huh. New Rome. So he wanted to Im- kind of impose the idea that now the center of the Roman Empire is in Constantinople rather than in Old Rome. Okay, all right. And he built a building there, right? <laughs> well, Constantine didn't build the building. Um, who, who built Hagia it? Sophia uh-huh. uh, is the great cathedral in um, in modern-day Istanbul. Uh-huh. It was built in the... Um, Oh, gosh. It was built in the 6th century in the early 500s by Justinian. So he Uh was, you know, a number of centuries after the founding of the city Uh as Constantinople. And Justinian... So uh, he figured by that time they they could... could, they could they could support a venue that big. I suppose <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. And he, there was a lot of there were a lot of resources, and you know, Byzantium was well what we tend to call Byzantium, which mm-hmm. is really the Eastern Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, today, um, the the few Greeks that live in Constantinople or in Istanbul still refer to themselves as Romai, the huh. Romans. Mm-hmm. They don't call themselves Greeks; they wow. call themselves Romans, <laughs> uh, even today. Um, Boy, so. Um, it was built in the 6th century by mathematicians, by Platonists, actually, <laughs> who used their knowledge of, of um, architecture and, ma- and math, basically, to build this amazing structure, which, mm-hmm. w- which was for about a thousand years the largest enclosed space, uh, domed enclosed space mm-hmm. in the world. Wow. Huh. And, it, it, and it's had many uses over the years, hasn't it? 
Yes. So it was originally a Christian cathedral. Uh-huh. And then um, in 1453, when the Ottomans conquered um, Constantinople, uh-huh. it was converted to a mosque. And uh-huh. then its architecture was then emulated and copied in a number of um, mosque buildings around the world, including those in in, in modern-day Istanbul. So, um, you know, we have the example of the Blue Mosque, which is uh-huh. largely um, modeled after Hagia Sophia. Are, are the ones, that, the later ones, are as big? Uh, no, they're not as big. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, maybe they couldn't quite figure out the... How to do it. How to yeah. do it right, <laughs> uh, that the knowledge got lost. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. But it was only until the, let's see, it was in the middle of the 16th century when the Cathedral of Seville mm-hmm. was built mm-hmm. that the... Um, that a, a Christian cathedral um, exceeded the size. Uh-huh. And of course, St. Peter's is still yeah. you know, one yeah. of the largest, yeah. Yeah. Um, built many centuries later after that. Uh-huh. So have you been there? I have not. No, it's, really? on my, it's on my bucket list. Wow. And now it's tricky, of course, because only a few months ago, oh, yeah, yeah. the Turkish authorities uh, converted it back to a mosque after uh-huh. it being a museum wow. since the time of Ataturk at the beginning of the 20th century. Jeez. Well, you couldn't go anyway because we we can't go anywhere. We can't go anywhere right now. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is. Okay, so um, how did you find out about this this place? You mean me personally? Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, Hagia Sophia is the model for because in your business, everybody knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, Hagia Sophia is, is, is one of the most famous uh-huh. Christian buildings uh, in the world. And um, it served as a model for mm-hmm. what was the best in yeah. uh, church architecture you know, for centuries. And even today, there are buildings, even today in America, there are buildings that are, that are built using its uh, form and, its, huh. and some, to a certain extent its, um, its technology even. Uh-huh. Although now we have steel and we have other things that we can build with. We don't have to just use um, heavy masonry to Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. build buildings. Um, Which they did. They did, yes. Wow. And to support a dome that is, you know, that is hundreds of feet in the air um, was really a feat uh, at the time. Wow. Huh. Okay, so um, what's what's the nexus between Capella Romana and this building? So... Alexander Lingus mm-hmm. is the music director and founder of Capella Romana. Yes. And uh, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. Congratulations. This, this coming April. That's awesome. Um, and Hopefully by then we could, you, you, you can do some actual re- live concerts. I hope so. And actually we may do a few of those, you know, even in the next several months. Really? Um, socially distanced. Well, you can't go outside. That's for sure. Pardon? <laughs> you can't go outside. Well, actually, we're looking at some venues that might work on the out, on outside that have an acoustical property. Wow. Um, but I'll wait until we actually do it before yeah. I tell you precisely yeah, what yeah. those are. But um, the uh, yeah, so so we'll be hopefully doing some live live concerts, not with audiences, but That's certainly good. with uh, with film. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, so Alexander Lingus has, um, he's a musicologist mm-hmm. and he has been fascinated by music and liturgy, you know, the church services in Hagia Sophia since he was a, a, a graduate student and his, um, 
his thesis is actually on music and liturgy in Hagia Sophia. So wow. it's been a research area for him uh-huh. for many, many years. Um, and so that's really where the, the, the nexus comes, is, is uh-huh. the, the connection between the building and what music was actually sung there uh-huh. in ancient times. Uh-huh. When you say ancient times, what are you talking about? So from when the building was built in the 6th century yeah. um, up until, um, for him, up until the fall of Constantinople in uh-huh. 1453. So uh-huh. looking at um, you know, what music was sung in there at that time. Um, at, and we have manuscripts that date from as early as the 10th or 11th century uh-huh. uh, that are interpretable. We can actually see what the music act is. Really? Um, earlier layers, we don't have as many resources that give us precise yeah. melodies. Yeah. It's very yeah. similar in the West. You know, the earlier uh-huh. manuscripts of Latin uh, Gregorian chant uh-huh. um, are hard to read. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the earlier you go, the, the more uh, indecipherable they are. <laughs> so very similar so, in the East. Uh, what's the notation like in, in those? Uh, I mean, as, I, I guess as you got, got more contemporary relatively <laughs> yes uh uh it it, it uh, developed but what, what, what was it like before that so the current um well from from about the 10th century to uh-huh. the present day um byzantine chant which is yeah. the term we use for um, music that was done in the greek rite uh-huh. um it's an intervallic notation so that means there are different symbols that tell you to sing a higher note or uh-huh. a lower note by uh-huh. a specific interval. Huh. Whereas in Western music, of course, we have a staff, yeah. and it's the position of the note and its flag, or lack thereof, or the, the kind of head that the, music, that the notes have that tell you length and, uh, and pitch. Uh-huh. So this, this notation is kind of like a computer program. It tells you to leap up a third and uh-huh. sing this note for a certain length and then go down a step and then go up a step huh. or go down a fourth or uh-huh. go up a fifth and uh-huh. so on. Wow. Um, so you have to learn a whole array of, of symbols that, that uh, indicate those intervallic changes. Uh-huh. In early notation, the rhythmic aspect is less clear. But um, as time went on, the, the rhythm became much more um, precise uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. much more transmittable yeah. with, with precision. So... Um, the earlier layers of the notation uh-huh. um, look a lot, actually, in, in some ways, look a lot like what what we had in the West, where there were there were little dots and squiggles. Uh, without going into the, all the technical terms, dots and squiggles good enough. That that yes, that would indicate to the singer um, how the melody goes, because uh-huh. the melody would be transmitted orally, and oh. and so the the singer would know what the melody is, uh-huh. and the notation would be a, just a reminder. Huh. But not a um, a precise yeah. uh, indication of what the melody is. Uh-huh. Wow. Huh. Okay, so um, he's got this lifelong uh, project with, uh, with 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 this building. Yes. And then what happens? So then, uh, in sort of the late aughts of the two thousands, the there's a team of 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 scientists and art historians at Stanford University. Of course it's at Stanford. Yes, it's at Stanford <laughs> University. And they, uh, they decided to collaborate with us um, to actually make the music that was done in Hagia Sophia around mm-hmm. the, in this case, it was around the 
the the twelfth century, mm-hmm. um, by going to Hagia Sophia and measuring the acoustic properties of uh-huh. the building. Yeah, and the way they did that was uh, taking four balloons <laughs> in the middle of the night when mm-hmm. it was reasonably quiet, yeah. so no traffic outside and you know less and no crowds inside. Yeah, and they popped these balloons and measured the acoustic response hmm. at all frequencies. They built a, a, a specific microphone to do this wow. that, that could detect different directions, different frequency levels, and so on. They made those tests, I think, in 2009 or 2010, mm-hmm. and um, then were, would, could take that data and then reverse engineer an actual acoustic um, using microphones and loudspeakers. So in real time. Mm-hmm. And in those days, you had to soup up a Linux box and you know, get, get a, a, a very fast computer yeah. to uh, process these things in real time. The, the addition of um, what's called convolution reverb, mm-hmm. um, for your listeners, you probably, a number of your listeners probably know what that is. No. That can be applied. I don't know what that is. Okay, so convolution <clears throat> reverb is, is, uh, is to create... Um, uh, a, a kind of a, an acoustic environment um, that is not what the what a room would have. So here we are in yeah. Cafe Artichoke, mm-hmm. and you know if if you sang or played an instrument in here, um, you know there's not going to be a lot of reflection from the walls because it's covered with acoustic absorption. Yeah. Whereas um, if you added uh, using digital means or in the old days, you know a spring, yeah. um, you could you could create a sustain of the sound yeah. artificially. Um, and in this case, we're not just arbitrarily making that sound sustain, um, but we're using a model that is an actual acoustic um, huh. that takes the measurements from Hagia Sophia and then reapplies them in any room. So when we gave our concerts in at Stanford at their new concert hall, uh-huh. its natural acoustic is maybe a s- maybe two seconds or less. Yeah. They were able to add with a network of speakers suspended from the ceiling <laughs> um, this uh, this virtual reality. So when you're in Bing Concert Hall and you hear our project sung there, uh, the Lost Voices of Hagia Sophia, yeah. it sounds like you are really in wow. Hagia Sophia. It's amazing. So were you one of the singers? Yes. Well, how did for the first time you heard that reproduced? How did you feel? Well, I had very low expectations. Really? <laughs> wow. I, I thought this is going to sound fake. It's going to yeah, sound yeah. tinny or wrong or, you know, somehow artificial. Uh-huh. But when we did it for the first time, I mean, we all looked around at each other. There were 15 singers on the project. Yeah. And we all looked around each other with, you know, saucer-sized eyes, just <laughs> amazed yeah. at how realistic it was. Wow. Wow. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, you've heard things recorded at, 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 in the building, have you? No, because it's not allowed. Oh. So wow. uh, that's why wow. popping those balloons was so yeah. extraordinary. The, yeah, the, yeah. the authorities at that time did allow um, the acoustic measurements to take place. Huh. But up to... Up probably, to wouldn't it, would, probably wouldn't now. No, and up to, up to now, well, up till several months ago, yeah. no singing or performance was allowed uh, inside the building by anyone. So... No wow. Christian music, no Quranic recitation, nothing. Um, whereas now, of course, it's been converted to a mosque, and and uh, they're you know 
doing yeah. regular Friday services in there. Yeah. Um, and, and they have, you know, Quranic recitation. And I will add with microphones and loudspeakers <laughs> as if it really needs it, wow. which it doesn't, but there we are. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Ooh. I wonder how, have you, have you, have you heard what that sounds like? Yeah, actually, there were a few uh, news stories that showed um, the uh, um, the imams going in uh -huh. to test the acoustic, and uh -huh. I I'd, I'd like to believe that they did that largely because of this project, which uh -huh. has has had a a global um, oh yeah has had a global yeah, effect. Yeah, people have yeah. people have ordered it from everywhere. Yeah, Capella Romana has a hit. We do. That's and amazing. Today That's we are amazing. today. This Tuesday, we are 29 weeks on the Billboard chart, so it's kind of crazy amazing. That is crazy amazing. It's over half a year. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. You know, We're very proud of that. You should be. Um, and, and I would guess that people who have been quarantined, it, this must be a comfort for them. It certainly is. We get a lot of feedback from listeners, uh, people who've bought the recording or even uh -huh. streamed it to say that this really provided uh, a balm to the soul right yeah. now, particularly yeah. in this moment. Wow, jeez. <laughs> and now you're up for a Grammy. Well, we're not up for a Grammy. Um, we're, we're oh. in, we submitted the record yeah. for a Grammy. Okay. So now the voting actually just completed yesterday for the first round, and then, um, well, I don't want to say anything more. I don't want to spook it, of course, but okay. I'm not... I'm yeah. not uh, yeah. um, going to say but it's it we have the final voting in in december well um, everybody in portland wants you to win a grammy thank you very much we're be sure that what we feel the we feel the support thank I you mean, i mean i mean it's it's such an amazing organization and with great artists that nobody really knows about except for a, 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 it's not it, it talk about your niche you know <laughs> that's right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and actually this last september we were slated to perform the project again with the virtual acoustic at the largest early music festival in the world in um in utrecht in the netherlands oh geez and of course that's been postponed but um watch this space we'll be there if everything works we'll be there next september wow that's just amazing that's great that's great um uh i what is what 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 does all what does success mean to capella romana <laughs> yes so <laughs> Capella Romana is more than a vocal ensemble or a choir. Oh, right. Um, right. This is something that, that uh, has really come to the fore during the pandemic. Uh -huh. um, we basically have three areas of work. We have live performances, the concerts we produce here in Portland and, and in Seattle and in San Francisco. We have, and combined with that, touring. So uh -huh. we're doing live concerts across the country and, uh -huh. and uh, largely in Europe these days. Then we have um, our scholarship work, where we have people who are are researching the mm -hmm. music, these ancient melodies. And then we have a recording label. And the recording label and the scholarship work has uh, taken a lot more of our energy during the pandemic. And um, we have, for example, we release, we um, received a, a big grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Mm -hmm to support um, new research by Alexander Lingus and also um, John Michael Boyer, who is a, also a Portland uh -huh. man. He uh, is writing a book about how to read that notation I was describing to you. Wow. So um, in, in terms that 
ordinary musicians uh, in the West would be able to understand. Uh -huh. Huh. Um, then the recording label has really taken off um, both in terms of our own productions, but also we're signing new artists to the Capella label. Our new label is called Capella Records. Mm -hmm. And our next release comes actually next week by uh, a, a sister choir in Pennsylvania called the St. Tecan Choir. And uh, that recording is um, uh, of a, a setting of the Divine Liturgy, which is the Mass of mm -hmm. the Eastern Rite, um, in English, um, huh. in, in sort of a quasi-Russian style. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely stunning. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a... I've been in the business of, of managing and singing in choirs for most of my life. Yeah. And I think it's... I think I can say without reservation that um, only once in a while does a does a work come around like this one. Um, huh. It is so emotionally moving, and beautifully constructed, and well composed. It it has an amazing transcendent effect. I think on the listener. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So we're we're looking to sign more artists to our label and things that it, uh, artists and and projects that that f fit our mission of exploring. Uh -huh the unified inheritance mm -hmm. of the Christian East and West. What effect do these works have on the singers? That's a good question. I suppose there'd be Thank a different, you. there'd be a different That's answer. That's why they give me the big bucks. That's right. <laughs> I think there'd probably be some, some different answers depending on the singer, but uh -huh. um, I think the physicality of, of this music making can't be underestimated. Um, it really, um, well, just like any great, great singing, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. bel canto opera or we're talking about, you know, this very um, passionate church music. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a, it, it has a, a deep effect on, mm. on each singer. And there's a, a I think for, for those of us who really enjoy ensemble singing mm -hmm. rather than solo singing, there's that sense of being, do, doing something together that we couldn't possibly do by yeah. ourselves yeah yeah and which is universal for, yes. a, a, for a, a, every vocal ensemble from from capella romana to four guys on the corner that's right whether it's a barbershop quartet or whatnot yeah. i yeah. i think maybe something that's special about capella romana is the the fact that no well, one it's else a matter of degree that's what i say yeah no of course it's, <laughs> it's but i think i think what's special about capella romana's music for the singers is that no one else is doing this anywhere right. in the world. Right. Um, there are groups that specialize. Ever ask in yourself why? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, there are reasons. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's like, I, no, can't, I can't help myself. No, sometimes. no, no. It's okay. You're a good interviewer. <laughs> uh, I think that um, the, on the on the ancient Byzantine chant side, uh -huh. um, there are a lot of reasons why other artists are not taking on this music, yeah. which are probably too um, arcane to talk about here. But right. the um, we are the, the one group in the world that, that does full programs of uh -huh. medieval Byzantine chant, wow. of which our crowning um, piece right now is our new recording, uh -huh. Lost Voices of Hagia Sophia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also on the contemporary music side, we have p composers write music for us really? um, that, that are drawn out of this tradition. Uh -huh. And so we kind of hit both ends of the, uh -huh. of the chronology, both the, the most ancient and the most contemporary. Uh, kind of like 
people like Arvo Park and people like that? That's right. Yeah. 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 I'd love for Arvo to write us something. That would be very nice. That would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just turned 85, actually. So, oh, my God. Um, oh, no. Don't kind, tell me that. He's kind of slowing down. Yes. <laughs> tell me. I can still see him in New York in 1970. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. When he was... The, the young radical. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure was. Indeed. <laughs> and and that, that that whole scene was, was um, the knitting factory and all that in New York was, was uh, much more broadly based than anything else. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, really was. it would be a whole yeah. other podcast to talk about Arvel Paris. Yes. <laughs> I wrote about him, actually, for my master's thesis. So really? I'm, I'm a big so fan. So you know everything. Uh, no, I wouldn't say I know everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I decided not to go into academia, so I haven't kept up uh, as much as I could, I suppose. Do you, like, sing every day? You know, that's an interest. I don't. Huh. Um, and, I, and I know that when the time comes for us to, to come back together, uh, I think all of us are going to have, have to, uh, you know, shoo out the cobwebs um, to yeah. get back into, um, back into singing. Um, but uh, it's very difficult. I mean, of course vocalize in the shower or whatnot yeah. but yeah. but that's a lot different than singing properly huh. you know with the with the ensemble right right yeah right. didn't didn't zoom didn't sing on zoom or anything no no that's that's not possible okay um we are doing some experimentation actually um this is also with stanford um they the the center for computer research in music and acoustics or karma ccrma <laughs> um they're the ones who developed the synthesized acoustic. Uh-huh. But 15 years ago, they developed a technique to um, do networked performances over the internet. Uh-huh. And now with high-speed connections, uh-huh. um, it's actually a little more possible to, to, um, to perform and um, either sing or play with colleagues over the internet without uh-huh. latency, without the delay. Yes. Um, but there's still some delay. It, there's, yes. If you're working with someone across the globe, there's right. still the speed of light to consider, and act- it actually makes a difference. Big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. A millisecond, you know. It, 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 you can oh, actually sure. detect things. Yeah. The ear can hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. 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 So do you, do, you, do you write also music? Um, I've done some arranging, but huh? I, haven't, I haven't been active for a long time. But, when um, you arrange a piece like you know, like like this, what what kind of arranging are you doing? Because isn't it kind of set in stone? Well, I was a choir director in a Greek Orthodox church for a while, uh-huh. and so I would sometimes take uh, the Byzantine melodies and harmonize them or uh-huh. or adapt them for a mixed choir uh-huh. um, with some polyphony and and some strict harmonization. Uh-huh. Um, but I haven't done that for a while. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, this, this, the album is out uh, next, did you say this week? So Hagia Sophia has been out, of course. No, since, no not that one. I know. So the I, new, this, one this new one is yeah. out this next Friday yeah, okay. on the 23rd. Which will be the day after this runs. Oh, great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. And there, can, there, 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 there's a link on the page, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. So you can get to it. That's right. And, um, yeah, orders are available. You know, you can order it sure. now. Um, sure. Either direct or you know through any of the normal places uh-huh. uh, to buy uh-huh. to buy classical music. Just in, just give, give me an opinion. What's what sounds better to you? Something record something on a CD or something digitally digital. Well, um, 
there are limitations, of course, to mm -hmm. the CD format. Yeah. Um, this next release is also released on a Blu-ray disc, uh -huh. so there's uh, there is a there are high resolution uh -huh. um, files there, uh -huh. including surround sound, so you can listen to the wow. recording uh, in surround, and that's the case for Hagia Sophia yeah. as well. Yeah. Most importantly, because um, uh, when you listen with a really fine surround system. Um, you really do feel like you are in the building. Yeah. Um, we mastered the Hagia Sophia at Skywalker Sound uh -huh. uh, down in California where wow. they make the film scores. Sure. And we had at our disposal um, the most up-to-date, amazing equipment in the world. Huh. And um, one of the encodings for the surround is, is Dolby Atmos, uh -huh. which allows for um, speakers above, not just to the front and to the back, but uh -huh. above you. And that adds a whole layer of, of perception mm -hmm. that um, really makes you feel like the sound is rising up to the dome of Hagia Sophia and oh. showering down back to you. Wow. It's, it's extreme, extremely amazing. I, mean, I can't even tell you, it's just incredible. And with that, that sounds like a great closer to me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. It's been years since, since I saw you. We did a, did a st uh, story on Oregon Artbeat years ago. Yes, and, I uh, still remember it well. It was, it, was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Tom. Right. It's great to, great to be here. And we'll go out on Asmatikon Cherubikim from Capella Romana's hit record. Mm -hmm.